it's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Lewis Hamilton's Qatar race isn't quite over yet with the FIA set to review his track walk penalty. Alpine are raking in the dollar and is Checo retiring? It's race week, so saddle up. It's the WTF1 podcast with myself, Harry Benjamin and Callan O'Keefe, Austin, Texas edition. And I'm sorry, I yeah, that was a proper cringe. Saying saddle up sounds way cooler when you write it down than when you actually say it out loud. But I figured we've got to bring a bit of Texan spirit this week. Well, yeehaw, let's go. It's one of my favorite races on the calendar. I absolutely love Kota. It's an amazing place. The fans go mad for it every year. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And there's, there's plenty to discuss, isn't there, going into the race weekend? Yeah, there is. I mean, before we even go into what's going on on the track in Austin, I mean, let's start with this FIA review in Qatar, uh, the incident where Hamilton crossed the track after he crashed out. So, it was initially handed a 50,000 euro, I think it was, fine. Half of which is suspended, but the FIA have now announced they're revisiting the incident because of Hamilton's role model status. So they're concerned about the impression what his actions have had and might have on younger drivers. Essentially meaning, well, if they if young drivers see Hamilton crossing the track and only and sort of getting a, a you know, a, 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 a bat on the shoulder for it, they can do it as well, which is obviously not what the FIA want. It's not safe to do. And actually, Callan, you work with a lot of young drivers. Do you really think that that, that is something that needs to be looked at in terms of Hamilton being this role model and, and, and an incident like that trickling down? No, I, you know, if there was cars coming across the track in, you know, at high speed or, or whatever, then I don't think you do it because self-preservation <laughs> kicks in. You know, you're not going to walk across a live racetrack with <laughs> yeah. cars. I, I understand his frustration, heat of the moment, just had a crash, turn one. You have all this build-up to a Grand Prix where you literally, for three, four hours, you're building up, and then it's over before it's even really began. You know, if you have a crash, at turn one. And I can kind of get his understanding of wanting to get out of there as quickly as he possibly can. And also, if you if you end up the other side of the circuit, it's really, really difficult to get yourself back to the pits because the pit lane in the paddock in Formula 1 is completely isolated from everything else. So... I can kind of see why I did it. I think I don't really think it needs to be investigated. I think you know, give him a fine to make sure that it's it's proven that it's the wrong thing to do. But yeah, I, I don't. I think it's kind of a story for the sake of a story, in my opinion. And you know, out of the, the fifteen or so young drivers we work with, I don't think any of them would think it's a sensible idea to walk across a live racetrack. It's, it's not like the uh, the incident we had in karting a few years ago, where the guy threw the nose cone at the competitor who took him off. I don't think it was quite as serious as that. Oh my god. Yeah, that was that that said ripples. He got banned in the end, didn't he? Um, and I think that that made a statement, didn't it? I, I do agree. I think I could understand a little bit why a, a, I know they're picking Hamilton out, but I suppose they're doing it for a good reason because he is a role model. He transcends the sport. So what happens to Hamilton does have an effect on the ladder down throughout the the formulas. But I do agree. I think. You know, they had given him a fine um, and, you know, they could have reviewed it. I don't think they need to publicly review it. But, hey, 
everyone likes to have a go, don't they? And they're going to have a chat about it in Austin. So we'll see. I don't, he's not going to get any more penalties. I think they've said that. They're not going to increase the penalty. I think they're just going to maybe understand why that situation happened and how to, especially not to let that happen in the future. But I do agree. I think it is a bit of a story out of nothing. Um, Formula One is all about money, Mr. O'Keefe, as you well know. And Alpine are absolutely rolling in it. Okay, so, so earlier in the year, they had Ryan Reynolds and his investor group buying into the team. 200 million, I think it was. And that included Rob McElhenney, who's the other guy who owns Wrexham Football Club with him, and Michael B. Jordan. Now, the same group have added even more A-listers. So we've got Patrick Mahomes, who's a quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Travis Kelsey, who's another uh, Kansas uh, City Chiefs player. I think I pronounced the name wrong, but apparently he's Taylor Swift's boyfriend. So, hey. Anthony Joshua, two-time heavyweight champion. Trent Alexander-Arnold, Liverpool Football Club player. And Juan Mata, former Man United and Chelsea Football Club player. This is massive. This is a lot of big name investment into a team that you wouldn't really expect to attract those kind of people, right? I didn't really have this on my bingo card for this year. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, it's, it's, I think, I think I'm going to start off by saying, I think obviously it's, it, I really like the idea of this, right? I think Formula One is, or motorsport in general is very much kind of, it's, it's a very traditional sport. We kind of like, we do things because it's the motorsport way of doing things. And I think bringing in new investment, bringing in new ideas, bringing in new personnel, you know, it's, it's great to get the perspective of, of people who are elite athletes or involved in elite sport and kind of inviting them into this closed world of Formula One and saying, well, you know, what do you think? How can we improve it? You know, and obviously they've they've seen something they liked if they, they're keen to invest in in Alpine. So Alpine, I'm going to say it correct this time. I'm going to say it this time. Careful. Um, it's like a habit now, isn't it? Um, yeah, so I, I'm really for it. And I, I, I really like the idea. I, I don't know what you think, but I love the idea of bringing in lots of unique personalities, lots of people with unique perspectives and and seeing how they can positively impact the sport and, and change it to make it more accessible to the other sports where we might be a little bit more close to. Yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I think it's brilliant for the sport. But the fact that it's Alpine is really curious because... I was reading some uh, reports that came out not long ago about some, you know, some teams that have made profit over the last couple of years, and and Aston Martin were a big team that have not made profit over the last couple of years since they became Aston Martin. But you, you know, they they've had a lot of investment into a new factory in Silverstone, and obviously yeah. everything that comes with the brand of Aston Martin, and, and I'm sure Fernando Alonso costs a fair amount of money. But then yeah. Alpine. <laughs> also came out and and revealed their numbers, and and in the last couple of years they they have made profit for a team that has gone backwards in the last couple of years i think it's fair to say and their whole ethos is you know since rebranding as alpine that whole idea is to sell the alpine sports car which is essentially the the sports car brand of renault so but you don't see many alpines on the road you just don't right you occasionally do and then they are striking to look at because they are a rarity so i i think this is this must be a bigger plan for alpine to try and i mean there's heavy american influence in in these sort of a-listers that have have signed on not all of them admittedly but there's heavy american influence so i wonder if they're sort of they're quite french obviously i wonder if they're trying to crack the american market here with their with alpine because renault is obviously a globally renowned brand alpine is not as much 
So I wonder if this is part of a bigger picture for them. But also, there were so many rumours in the last couple of, well, since the start of the year, right? And especially since Andretti kept coming in for a bid in Formula 1 and that's going to, to Formula 1 management now. So many rumours that Alpine might sell up to and to an Andretti. So, you know, Andretti might be denied an additional entry, but they could still enter Formula 1 but by buying Alpine, similar how Audi will come in with Sauber. And there was talk that Alpine or Renault had given a pre-contract agreement to Andretti that they will supply them with a power unit if they were selected in Formula One. So there, I think there's more at play here, which I find fascinating. So I think I, I, it, it's now made me think that with all this investment, Alpine isn't actually all these rumors of selling up or leaving. I don't think that's the case. I, I think they are going to stay. I think this 100 race plan is going to go on for another few hundred races. That, that's, my, that's my sort of instinctual feeling. When, where, where I was initially leaning towards ah, they could probably sell up, you know, it hasn't quite worked out for them. I don't know. I've rambled on quite a lot there, but that's, that's what I get. I don't think this is just, especially the way they promote it, promote it on social media. Like, you don't see that from every team who gets a new investor. No, and, and I think it's exactly what you're saying, right? Like Formula One, it's a sport that we all love, but Formula One is all about money. We had the FIA president speaking about that when we were talking about actually Andretti being granted the entry or new teams coming in. You know, let's not kid ourselves. That's that's what a lot of the teams are there for. It's it's global marketing, especially if you're a manufacturer. So, as you said, there's there's bigger bigger wheels turning in the background here, and and how it all unfolds over the next few months, few years is going to be really really fascinating. But I think it it kind of as you said, it's it's opened up the doors for a lot of possibilities, hasn't it? And that's that's really, really going to pique a lot of intrigue. And um, I'd quite like to see it happen. I would like to see the 100 race plan continue for another 500 races, though, because it's just, it's such a good expression. And every time we bring it up, we always go, well, when is the 100 race plan actually started from? You know, we, we haven't got clarification on that just yet. It might you know, still be in the works. Alpine's 100 race plan is the same as my uh, gym workout, 100 uh, training plan, 100 day training plan. It just keeps on going and go. You don't know when it started. I don't know when it started, but it's still well, it's you, always you 100 have, days. You have started couch to 5K. So, you know, we, I, you we're know, looking I forward to seeing peak form Benjamin soon. I ran a 5K, like too soon. I did it one week into my couch to 5K. You're not supposed to do it until like nine weeks in. And I ran a 5K because a friend told me to. And oh my God, because I always see all these drivers and broadcasters and you know F1 personnel, they always run the track and they post it and it's on their Strava. And I'm like, I'm jealous. I want to do that. And I did a 5K in just over half an hour. I was pretty proud of myself. I thought that was all right. Were, I thought it was were you inspired by the heroic efforts of the drivers at the Qatar Grand Prix? And it made you realize, actually, yeah. we need we need full-scale fitness Harry Benjamin to come on board here for next yeah, season. I think it I is. Will, you I know, promise I'll follow you on Strava and give you some kudos. Though, so it's all good. Yeah, follow me back. You haven't followed me. I followed you. You've got to follow me back. God's sake. I promise I will. I promise I'll do absolute, it straight as soon as we're recording. Absolute cheek of it. I think I've been hanging around you and other racing drivers too long this year because then suddenly you feel like you've got to be an athlete. Um, anyway, we divest. We, di- we divest. We, uh, yeah, that works. We, uh, we uh, regress. Uh, uh, anyway. Digress. Check on. Checko, for, digress. Like digress. That's the one. That's the one. Um, Checo. Uh, Perez. Retiring? Yay or nay? <laughs> He might have a lot of time to do some 5Ks in the near future, might <laughs> he? I just, you know, you know what? Like the worst thing that could have happened for Checo was Danny Rick breaking his, his wrist. I genuinely believe that. I was thinking about this actually on the flight the this morning. The worst thing? 
the worst thing that could have happened was Danny Rick breaking his wrist because the problem now that Red Bull have is they have two very, very fast racing drivers looking to replace him. Liam Lawson getting the opportunity to come and replace Danny Ricciardo, show that he has the pedigree and belongs in Formula mm. One, has made Red Bull's decision really, really tough. Whereas before, it was like, oh, you know, we know Daniel, but he's coming back in. He's going to need some time. Now there's a lot of pressure because Lawson's made it clear, as we said in the last podcast, you know, he doesn't want to go back to being a reserve driver. He wants a Formula One seat. And he's, he's done a job warranting of that position. I'm pretty sure, you know, Daniel Ricciardo is going to come back and show his class. I know... We got to see a bit of a glimpse of it before we obviously had the injury, and it's clear that he's kind of more, you know, towards the Daniel Ricciardo of old before he, he took a bit of a break from Formula One. So I think Red Bull have got a real headache, and Checo is probably the one who's going to be at the receiving end of that if he doesn't start to up his performance. And traditionally, it's not really a place where he's been super, super strong, is it? So he's going to have to turn that around this weekend if he wants to uh, stake his claim and not, yeah, not be running 5Ks next year alongside you. <laughs> me and Checo on the, on the on the Saturday fun run. Uh, um, I mean, what he's thirty three years old. Um, there are older drivers in Formula One, and I, to be honest, I saw these rumors and I thought, nah, that's not happening. I, not this year, at least. I think it's all it's all on next year. I think he's got the Red Bull seat for next year. I'm pretty sure he has. But how long has he got that seat for? I think there's two options here. Perez gets 2024 and gets mid like replaced halfway through the year. Or he does an all right job enough to 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 seal second in the championship again next year and then Red Bull push him to graciously retire at the end of 2024 and celebrate what has been a, a, a long and, and and rewarding career for Sergio Perez. I think those are the two options here. I think Daniel Ricciardo obviously back in this weekend, and we'll come on to that. It, 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 there's a lot for him to to prove now. I think that he, you know, he, how quickly can he get back up to pace? Will he be straight on it, or will he take a couple of rounds to do it? That that's going to be the key thing here. But let's go straight straight on for that. He's missed five races, hasn't he, with a broken hand? Lawson's come in. Do you think Ricardo will be back on form straight away? Yeah, I think this is a place that he loves. And, you know, we know a confident Danny Rick is a lethal Danny Rick. And to come back and make your, your debut at the play, you know, he always plays up. Whenever he goes to Austin, he always plays up. He loves the American culture. He loves racing there. I think traditionally it is a place as well that really suits his style. He's got, a, you know, he's got an amazing knack for balancing the car in the high speed. And he loves a, a track with a load of change of direction as well. So... He's going to be especially fast enough in that, you know, the first sector, the, the S's section is absolutely awesome and I think will favour his driving style. So I, I'm I'm a Daniel Ricciardo fan. I'm a Daniel Ricciardo believer. So I I think hopefully he's going to jump back in the car and do a mega job and it's going to put him very much back in the uh, the driving seat for lack of a better terminology. Um, and just, just a little note on Perez. You know, it's a really good thing that he's racing for the super supportive team that never goes back on their word when they say that the drivers have got a contract and aren't known facts and drivers, <laughs> are they? <laughs> Just thought I'd drop that one in there. I don't think I don't think I could deal with 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 uh, with a Red Bull contract. I'd be too uncertain. I'd sign my life away, but be like, yeah, but they'll just they'll just sack me tomorrow, so yeah. I can do nothing about it. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> let's see. Let, AlphaTauri got some upgrade. Well, they have been bringing upgrades progressively over the last couple of rounds and have improved that fight at the back and the constructors is is really something to, to watch out for um so let's see how Aftari get on let's let's go and look properly then for what what's coming up this weekend i think we've got to start with mclaren 
can they continue this form they have got they've won two of the past three grand oh, they haven't won two of the past three grand prix but they've been on the po- well they won the sprint haven't they with piastri uh oscar and- piastri Ka- is a race winner in formula one before Landon Norris, is. might i add well yes but then 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 we get bogged down into well okay do we count you oh know, yeah a sprint race? like I counted. He he. They started the race. It finished the race. He won the race. And what an exception! We can't take it away from him. He is a race winner in Formula One. Next question, yeah. please. Let's keep talking about this though. Next I question. Was, I I've been I've been reading up on this. Right. I've been doing yep. some research, Harry. I've been doing wow. some research. Gosh, so, shock, shock! Callum's done some work for once. Three very different circuits. We've had Singapore, Suzuka, Qatar. Very very different in terms of characteristics. And obviously, as you were talking about then, McLaren scored the most points, 104 points of any team in the last three weekends. But yeah. did you know how much more it was than the other teams? How, like, what a big gap they've, they've, they've pulled on them. So the next best team is Red Bull with 74. The next best team is Ferrari. The next with, with 70. The next best is Mercedes with 63. And then just for, you know, a bit of banter, let's throw in Aston Martin, who have only got 13 points in the last three races, just to show how much they've really detuned in the last part of the season. But I was I was staggered because, you know, we, we spoke about this and I continue to speak about it all the time. The McLaren, you know, we keep talking about McLaren form, but if they've proven themselves on three very different circuits, does it just mean they've got a good car? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I was listening to Andrea Stella on the F1 podcast uh, earlier in the week, the team principal for McLaren. And th- that man is a gem, I think. I think he's so underrated. Yeah. And he was saying the car, where it, where the car is now, if this same car had been on the grid in Bahrain, it would probably have been about seven or eight tenths quicker, enough for second, third row. And that rate, of development i've said it i've said it for the last month the rate of development is what is so impressive about mclaren look they're fifth in the constructors right now i'm pretty sure they'll get aston martin unless lance stroll starts bucking his ideas up but equally i think i think ferrari are a threat here from mclaren do you i I think mclaren could get third what a turnaround that would be i think the big thing is as well like i said to you i don't believe it's form i just think they have a strong package now if you can deliver week in a week out, different tracks, different conditions, street circuits, permanent circuits, you know, low speed, high speed, we're, we're, you know, tracks with short straights, tracks with long straights. We're not talking about a track specific car here that tends to do well on low downforce or high downforce. Mm. It's actually a really strong package. They've got two really strong drivers who are pushing each other. I actually read as well. Uh, Stella said that, you know, the, uh, the, the Norris Piastri rivalry is causing Norris some discomfort, which he finds really interesting, but obviously He's hoping this discomfort is going to be the thing that pushes him to like mm. up his level. So it's it's kind of clear that even despite you know Lando having his number one status challenged, the team's still together. The team's driving forward, and they're in a really strong place to actually overthrow even potentially Ferrari if they if they continue the way they're going. I don't see it being completely impossible, and I don't see anything coming up that will stop this form. Let's call it inverted commas because I think they're just. They're just a team on the up at the moment and, and they keep getting better and better and staying there as well. Best driver lineup on the grid? I'd say the, the, the best package and the best driver lineup in terms of not necessarily on paper. Um, you know, if you just took away results and you said, do you think that these are the two most naturally gifted drivers on the grid? I, I probably wouldn't say so. But in terms of the way they sink in with a car, the way they sink in with a team, with each other as well. Yeah, I'd say so. And I'd say they've, that you know, it's certainly demonstrating it. I, 
I can't think of anything in the last few weeks that's come about that's kind of, you know, we, we'll get on to obviously Mercedes. It's a very different camp over there at the moment, but I can't think of anything that's been, even despite the, the kind of inter-team driver rivalry, I haven't heard of anything that's kind of ruffled anyone's feathers. They're just kind of all building together as a unit and all see the, the greater good in what they're doing, you know? No, I think, I think, Piastri and Norris are genuinely like nice guys as well, especially. And it's actually easy to forget that Oscar Piastri, this is still his rookie year. It's he, ridiculous. He walks around. It's ridiculous. With, he has, I know, he has this sort of aura about him. He's kind of got a bit of old man energy. Do you know what I mean? Like it's sort of, he's so young, but he has this old man aura. It doesn't feel like he gets he gets flustered easily, certainly not out of the car. I think he's still got to work on, on race pace uh, in terms of managing Pirelli, these Pirelli tyres, uh, which is something I think that just comes with more and more experience and that he will gain. And, and actually that's why he's able to shine more on sprint weekends is because on a sprint race, especially, obviously it, it's more flat out than a Grand Prix distance. So he can, he can get uh, more out of the car and himself when it comes to to, to those um characteristics but i just think there's there's this is the best rookie season since lewis hamilton and that and that's saying yeah. a lot and, and hamilton came into a car that was at the top of its you know was what was a top car you can't compare but i think that a lot there's a lot to be said for piastri being involved along with the team in helping develop a car to get to a level that that is higher than much higher than when they started the year. So I think that is is equally as impressive as far as I'm concerned. So Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri and McLaren. Well, considering the start of the year it was disaster, the end of the year is looking pretty rosy for them. Um, we'll be right back with the end of the WTF1 podcast in just a minute. But first, we've got to get an ad in with our friends at Factor. With the busy full season already in swing, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Too busy this fall to cook, but want to make sure you're eating well? With Factor, skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back to crushing your goals. Adjust your stride this autumn without missing a step. Choose from over 34 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never frozen meals ready to eat in two minutes. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. We offset 100% of our delivery emissions, source 100% renewable electricity for our production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced sea food in our meals this october get factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh flavor-packed meals delivered to your door ready in just two minutes no prep no mess head to factormeals.com wtf150 and use code wtf150 to get 50 percent off your first box that's code wtf150 at factormeals.com wtf150 to get 50 percent off Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. 
When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back to the show. You mentioned the dynamic at Mercedes. George Russell and Lewis Hamilton off the back of the collision in Qatar, in which Hamilton put his hands up on Twitter, at least, and said, you know, it was completely my fault. Does that, though, roll on this weekend? Is there a is there an everlasting effect? When you, have you ever come together with a teammate in your racing career? Oh, all the time. It's, it's it's kind of rule number one in motorsport. If you're a driver, the first person you have to be is your teammate. And whether you're an F4 driver trying to make a name for yourself, or whether you're a Formula One driver trying to become a world champion, it's the metric you're always compared against. Because in a sport with so many moving parts, you know, there's so many variables in terms of car setup, in terms of experience level in terms of testing especially the junior category level you know even when they won make championships the teams do make a difference so you can only ever be measured as a real metric against the people who are in the same livery car as you and it it always creates this riot even from karting you know let's let's go as far back as that so you kind of you start off in motorsport at eight years old and the first person you're told to beat is your teammate the first person you're comparing against is your teammate and it's always the direct line of comparison. And it kind of gets drummed into you so hard that if you feel like you haven't got the edge on your teammate, it feels like you're already kind of failing at the first hurdle. And that's something that, mm. you know, a racing driver doesn't like to do. So yeah, there's, there's, even if you get on really, I've had, I've had great relationships with teammates in the past and we've gone on to be friends when we weren't teammates and we weren't racing against each other. And I've had teammates that I absolutely hate it. I'm not going to say any names, but you know, you, it's, it's a very weird dynamic because no matter how friendly you are with that person, when the visor goes down, you almost want to beat them more than the other people around you because you know that other people are comparing you against them. And I think you've got two really big personalities. We've said this before. You've got, you know, you've got one of the most successful drivers that's ever been in the history of the sport. And you've got a, a young, still young driver in George Russell trying to stake his claim to become almost that to be Mercedes's new leader when he leaves. And you only just have to look at what's following in the tracks behind. You know, we've just had Kimi Antonelli. He's just been crowned the Freca champion. So he won F4 in Freca. He's one of the first drivers, I think since Lando Norris, to win two consecutive championships since F4. So he's gone on, he won Fremac, which is the Middle Eastern like winter series that they all do in Formula Regional. He's now won Formula Regional. <laughs> and he's now um <laughs> that's amazing and you know he's he's the first driver in the last 10 years to win the championship that he's raced after for lando norris was the last driver to do that so you've got a mercedes junior who he's also going to miss fia of three he's going straight into f2 mercedes have already confirmed that so george knows that there's young drivers already in the stable kind of up and coming and if you know that then you have to stake your claim as early as you possibly can the way to do that is to overthrow your teammate and Lewis obviously doesn't want to bow out until he wins his eighth championship. So you've got all of this at play. There's so many different storylines all merging into a a boiling point of drivers colliding and complaining with each other. So it's, yeah, it's not quite as, as simple as just collisions on track. I think there's more, maybe I'm making a story out of it, but I think there's more at play than uh, potentially meets the either. No, I agree. I think both of them are very good at, at towing the, the media happy teammate PR line when they get out of the car, for sure. But 
after the Qatar incident on the radio, you know, their, their initial reactions, George Russell, you know, oh, come on, guys. Um, what are we doing? You know, not again. And and then Hamilton saying, I'll be row, taken yeah. out by my teammate. That you, just those, you know, you're often your you're most honest and, and your rawest when something immediately happens to you, right? And then and then you're backtracking after that. And then you have a moment to breathe and, and then you look at it logically. But you know, th- those reactions don't come out of nowhere. So there there obviously is a little bit of, come on, you know, I think they're both very mature. And I think Russell's actually, is it me or has he sort of changed a bit this year? You know, just in terms of, I think he's kind of, not, not grown up's the wrong word. You know, he just sort of he's changed his hair. He's being a bit more fashionable. He's, it's almost like Lewis Hamilton's had an effect on him. <laughs> yeah, it's all, almost like he's sponsored by, a, you know, well-known <laughs> Fashion brands who dress them really, really well every weekend. See, if I'm we were sponsored jealous, by a well-known fashion brand, if we were sponsored by a well-known fashion brand, I'd definitely dress up for these podcasts. Just saying, to exactly. any, to any prospective know, fashion for the, brands. For the people at home, anyway, he does. Harry dresses immaculately. Just in case you're wondering, it would be an easy fix. So please, you know, his, his calling cards open without my top hat and tails. Um, that's the dynamic. <laughs> At Mercedes, which is one to watch out for this weekend. Also to watch out for this weekend, along with Ricardo's return, which we've spoken about. Uh, there's a big upgrade further down the field. This battle at the back, I always love talking about the battle at the back because I always think it's actually the better battle. And in a season like this, uh, it has been. Uh, but it's, it's actually getting to quite a crunch point now. There are only a handful of points celebrating the, the bottom four teams. And Haas, having lost a position to Alfa Romeo, post Qatar after a great double points result for Alfa Romeo. Haas are now behind them and one off the back. Only Alfa Tauri bring up the rear, then Haas ahead of them. And it's a big race for Haas. They are the American team. They've got some new race suits, new livery with an American theme to it. And basically they've got a new car. They've gone for a whole new concept of car, uh, which has been in the works for a while. And they've essentially followed the Red Bull route when it comes to aerodynamics and side pods, blah, 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 blah. So, they're really hoping that this is going to be a massive upturn in pace for them. But what what happens if it doesn't work? It, it, what a waste, you know. And, and I know that's F one, but for a team like Haas, you know, they they've got to to put all their eggs in this basket. Essentially, so close to the end of the year, you imagine that when you introduce stuff this late on in the season, you're, you're eyeing it up for twenty twenty four, right? Yeah, well, I think it's first worth mentioning the uh, the cameraman who got that infamous shot now of the Red Bull floor at Monaco when the car was oh, being yes. um, Jack. I hope he got a massive raise from the F1 teams, <laughs> like just because they it basically gave a really, really clear guidance as to why the Red Bull car, well, one of the reasons why the Red Bull car is as fast as it is. So, you know, to have, to have the photos where you can effectively try and copy it is amazing. But, you know, if, if you look at the upgrades that Hassan brought, it's literally a it's it's everything basically, isn't it? It's the floor, engine cover, side pod inlet, side pods, quarter panel, padding grids, everything. They've literally gone in a whole new direction. And the drivers are kind of playing it down when they've been speaking to the media. They've obviously been saying, look, like we don't expect big change. We're looking more in a direction for twenty twenty four. But I think secretly they'll really, 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 really be hoping that it makes it better. Um if not even as a starting point, any faster, just more predictable to drive. Because sometimes when you jump on board with a Haas, if, you, if you're watching the uh, the onboards back, the car looks so, so difficult to drive at points. Mm. So hopefully if it gives them anything, it gives the drivers a bit more confidence. You know, obviously 
Formula One massively relying on aero. It's downforces everything, um, despite the the famous Enzo Ferrari quotes. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it, they're really, really be hoping that it works in their favor, gives them a bit more confidence to drive the car, and and hopefully then can be a, a starting point. But as you said, the race at the back, it's you know, it's really, really hotting up, and we're not just talking about pride; we're talking about also money and money, which is crucial for developing the car for the for you know for next season. So. Let's let's yeah. see how that all unfolds. Um, but they could really, really do with it all working, especially at their home race. But it's it's so tight. I mean, Williams sort of surged ahead, seventh in the constructors, twenty three points. But Alfa Romeo, sixteen points uh, with they have in eight, then twelve points that Haas have, and then five points that that uh, Alfa Tauri have. And actually, Alfa Tauri perhaps have looked like the pacier car over over the last couple of races but they haven't been able to uh to, to make it stick whereas Alfa Romeo did a great job eighth and ninth for them it was massive to overhaul Haas but still absolutely nothing in it so that battle of the back is something to keep an eye on and then on top of all of that Callan it's another sprint they're relentless another one do you think it's going to go down well in Cota the sprint well, I, I, as a track, I really like Cota. Like, not only is it a great driving challenge, you know, you've got a great mix of medium, high speed, lots of changes of direction, as we already said, but it, it promotes a lot of racing. And I mean, especially for the, the viewers in the UK who are listening, if you hear Crofty say switcheroo, I was watching, I remember watching <laughs> last year, the amount of times he said the word switcheroo. It's, you know, there's definitely a game to be had there while you're watching if Max Verstappen's checking out a way into the distance. Um, but it, you know, it's it's really is a great track that promotes a lot of overtaking because there's lots of big straights, lots of big braking zones. They open up in the braking zones, and it, yeah, I, I think it's going to work here. I like the idea of a back to back sprint as well. I think you know we we were only just talking about the battle of the back. The the sprint race opens up more possibilities. You know, teams have less time before they've got to jump in for qualifying, so there's there's less time to refine everything. There's more chance of you know an anomaly result. So. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And I think the format will actually work here. And I know, especially, you know, the American fans hopefully will get behind it and, and make it a spectacle as well. You only have to watch last year. Every time there was an overtake, you could hear the fans in the background. And I absolutely love that. So what better place to give them even more racing? I agree. And there's, uh, I've got to give give the old plug for F1 Academy supporting this weekend as well at the, at the Circuit of the Americas, their final round championship to be crowned. And it's all live. So uh, do check out that as well. But I think Kota, I mean, and, and it's the, o- well, out of the three we have on, on the calendar, it's the OG US Grand Prix now. And uh, and I think they are going bigger and better every year. And I've already just seen some of the content that's coming out on their socials. They are they are getting big on the influencer look. And it's so it's back-to-back sprints. And then we have Mexico. Then it's Brazil. Uh, Sao Paulo will be the final sprint of the year. Uh, and it sounds like we're going to get roughly the same amount of sprints for next season as well, though that is still TBC. Uh, but we'll have a chinwag about that, I'm sure, when Formula One announces. Um, I think that just about does it, really. Is there anything, anything glaringly I've missed, Callan? No, I think that gets us, well, gets us I think out nicely back, for the weekend. Going back to the F1 Academy stuff, obviously yeah. McLaren have announced their first driver. All the, well, in all the teams, there's going yeah. to be um, F1-affiliated drivers. And I, I think it's actually just great to, to bring a bit of light to that, to be honest with you. I think, you know, it's motorsport is is a very challenging sport, not only because of how much money it costs to do it, but obviously, you know, we're looking for everything we can to make the sport, you know, more inclusive, more accessible. And I, I, 
I really like see, I heard about the concept obviously ages ago and I, I really like the idea of it. And it's really nice to see something like that come to fruition. And as you mentioned, it's going to be live this weekend. So hopefully plenty of people watch along, gains a bit of traction and, you know, just great to uh, to be seeing incentives like this rolling out across the junior formally. Obviously, everyone knows I, I, I work in junior formally all the way up from karting. So mm-hmm. when we see stuff like this, it re- really makes me happy about how we're producing the next level of talent and how we're, you know, massively improving the sport. So I just wanted to make a note about that. Yeah, I know that. And there's some really good drivers in F1 Academy and, and Bianca Bustamantes, who you refer to as being signed up by McLaren for next season. And uh, the championship is between Marta Garcia, who is the odds on favourite. You might recognise her from the W Series. Uh, Lena Buller, uh, the Swiss racer, who is backed already by the Sauber F1 team uh, in conjunction with Alfa Romeo. And uh, Hamda Al-Kwebesi will uh, is, the, is the outside contender, but those top three uh, in the championship are all still in with a shot. So do join us. Uh, it's me doing the coverage. Uh, here's a WTF1 exclusive for you. Uh, Going to be joined by Naomi Schiff and Jamie Chadwick, who I think has just Ooh. confirmed she's doing another year in the IndyCar support category, Indy Next uh, for 2024. So they're going to join me for all the coverage for that. So there's a WTF1 exclusive. There you go. Knew there was a reason to tune in, didn't you? Um, we're out of time. We are out of time. Uh, make sure you are following and subscribed to the WTF1 socials and YouTube channel. Uh, in the meantime, uh, but from myself, Harry Benjamin from Count O'Keefe, it's time to swap spit and hit the road. Bye-bye. Did you like that? That was my my Austin, Texas. I goodbye. really enjoyed that. I really, yeah. really enjoyed that. It was good, right? It's it still good. recording, right. though, on my screen. Yeah, it's still I'm recording. Gonna, I'm going to hit stop now. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.